Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. John A. Tate. This is the sporting record here on 3CR. Summer series, so we've got an hour to play with today. It's good to be here over summer. The weather's not too bad today. That voice belongs to James Tate, who's sitting at the panel. Good to be here as always. But we've got a special guest. We've lured Grant Hansen back to 3CR. And uh, welcome, Grant. Yeah, John, good to be back here, mate. It's uh, it's been about, I'd say... 15 years since I've been back at 3CR here. And it's a couple of years. Spent many, many years here from the early 80s and done a long time here. Got inducted to the Hall of Fame. and yeah, I've been and looking for the honour roll, but I can't, <laughs> can't see your name on it. I can't find the honour roll. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, you, so maybe yeah, it's I in think in those heads. days you got like, uh, I've got it at home. It's like a uh, old um, reel-to-reel um, boxing thing that was... Spray painted silver with your name on it. Welcome to the Hall ah, of Infamy or okay. something at Three CR. So, yeah, done many many years here doing the Curry Music Show, and of course the Margaret uh, Radio Show started off here at Three CR before it became the the famous TV show that it ended up being. Yeah. And that's the stuff I want to dig into, especially in the first half hour, second half hour, which is our bonus hour over summer. We might do talk about some music. Yeah, of course, anything. Anything and anything. Nothing's out of bounds, John. Well, you're oh. way more experienced in radio than us. So well, I'm don't sure, get nervous, okay? I'm sure you'll carry us when we start to falter. <laughs> well, that's what it's all about, the three of us here. There won't be any dead air. No. Oh, I hope not, no. <laughs> um, but I should acknowledge that we're broadcasting from Wurundjeri land yes. and pay our respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging. And I was doing a little research. Oh, we normally also uh, pay tribute to the, the, the fantastic uh, Native Australian athletes who bring so much joy to our lives. Yeah, no doubt. And I was researching today the Man Grook yes. thing. And so correct me where I'm wrong here. This is, mm. uh, this is a white boy looking up Wikipedia and yep. getting what I can out of it. Yes. But I was amazed that it said Man Grook is uh, Woiwurrung. Words, language. Um, not sure about that. I think it's more to do from my research that I did uh, all those years ago it was <laughs> from the Western Districts around the Ararat District, um, and it was called Mangrook. Um, but it was a game that was played not just here in Victoria, but variations of the Mangrook game was played right across Australia. But With different it was names, quite, perhaps. yeah. But quite commonly played here amongst the Kulin Nation. Uh, you know, Bunurong, Wadurong, uh, Tongarong, Wadurong, um, and Bunurong. So, you know, it was a game that was quite often played, but 
From it was a game that was played by men and women, and it was a social thing for centuries. Well, maybe thousands of years. Who knows, John? You know, it's like there's how long some, is a piece of string? You know, there's some record of a, a, a white guy making a record back in 1841 mm. about this game he witnessed. Um, yeah, well, funny enough, the MCG was a major corroboree site here when the Kulin Nation met. The Yarra River was called the Yarra Yarra River, which meant running water. So anything that has a double name, Yarra Yarra, Wagga Wagga, meant that it's plentiful. Yeah. So um, the Yarra Yarra River was known to Indigenous people of the Woiwurrung tribe down here, and the major um, five nations got together as a Kulin Nation and played the Margaret game where the MCG, funnily enough, is right now. But I think you're referring to uh, the game maybe out in Warrandyte, where one of the, the white guys wrote about the game and talked yeah. about the marking and the kicking style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has been documented by a number of different people over the years, particularly here in Victoria. So the game we're talking about, I guess there were many versions of and it probably evolved yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in many Mike ways. Rules does now, Played yeah. with some sort of a ball. Yes. Maybe possum skin, yeah. stuffed with things, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, kangaroo, gut, and there's variations of the football as well, yeah. But it was kicked. It wasn't thrown around so much, but actually kicked with the foot. Yeah, definitely. It kicked with the foot and, and catching, as we call the word mark, meaning catch. And um, you can see the traits of the Margaret game in Aussie Rules football. Mm. Um, and people make this mistake of saying that Aussie Rules football is Margaret. It's not. But the main traits of the Margaret game evolved into the Aussie Rules football as we know it today through the Indigenous players that started playing at the time, yes. And Tom Wills was brought up in the Western Districts. He grew up with Aboriginal kids. He was immersed in the Aboriginal culture, spoke language, learned how to dance in, with the Indigenous mob of young kids down there. So he obviously played that Margaret football game with those kids down there. And when him and his two cousins formed a, a game of our own, so to speak, uh, some of those traits that he'd learned as a kid, obviously, he'd uh, put into that, that new game that evolved as we know it as Aussie Rules football. So we can say there was at least some sort of influence there. Oh, no doubt. Look, no doubt. As I said, you know, Tom Wills, he, he was immersed in the Aboriginal culture. He spoke the language, he could mm. dance, and obviously they played Margrook very heavily in that district. So there's no doubt that Tom Wills played the Margrook football game and... Um, and the codes that were existing in those days, soccer and rugby, uh, didn't do any of that kicking style or marking the ball. Mm, so where mm. did that come from? Mm. Um, and people talk about Gaelic football, but Gaelic football wasn't codified to like 1860 or something. So it was mm. a long time after Gaelic football evolved as well. Well, it's a very Australian thing to merge many cultures into whatever we do today, you know. Why not? Beautiful melting pot. Mm. Uh, so there are no goals as such in the Mangrook game? Well, not as such, but does sort of like work out, well, that rock down that way, 150 metres, the ball goes right down that end, well, we'll stop and we'll bring the ball back into the middle or, you know, if you kick it past that tree. So there was a, a rough sort of boundary line sort of set up, you know, by, you know, by um, you know, as I said, rocks, trees, rivers, whatever. Fantastic. And the best players were the ones who could jump really high or kick it really high. Yeah, what happened at the end of the game, you get the two different mobs. So it'd be like black cockatoo versus white cockatoo. So that was made from your skin names. And then at the end of the game, they'd decide who was best on the ground, basically. Who was the champion? And and, the, and what would happen, the, the best on the ground player or the champion player of the day would get the best part of the bush tucker that night of the oh, food. Fantastic. So it was a kangaroo. Or, <laughs> oh, there was or, a reward. Or, yeah, there was a reward. So, but, but both teams had to agree who the best player on the ground was. And that might take hours. 
hours, you know. But the great thing about it was that men and women participated in the game. And you I could have 60 on one side and 50 on the other, you know. So yeah. the game went for hours, not like our mob play today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So must have been fit human beings running around. Oh, you know, well, plenty of time on our hands in those days, you know, my ancestors. And, um, you know, you can't go hunting 24 hours a day. And you had to have that social outlet. And, um, you know, and that was a game, obviously, that the mob enjoyed doing. So it amazes me because I never, you never hear about uh, about the tribes playing games. You know, it's all about maybe dance or, or hunting or this and that. Well, but playing a, games, it's well. Look, if you look into indigenous cultures right around the world, you get the Aztec Meri- uh, Americans that you know invented basketball. What we see about basketball and the hoop, they used to have a head going through the after they you know killed somebody <laughs> walking up the pyramid and dumped someone's head through the ring. You know, um, and then there's also um, you know like water, uh, polo on the horses and stuff like that. American Indians used to do that sort of stuff. So you know, traditional and indigenous mobs right around the world, and you know, just cultures that are very ancient. You know the Greeks they invented the Olympic Games so you know that sporting stuff and, and fun and games has always been played by lots of cultures yeah recreation mm. yeah but yeah. it's just nothing that sort of comes into my head I would have never have dreamed yeah well it's not until you th- have that thought and then you start to research yeah. that you find out that yeah why not why wouldn't they be doing those types of things so that's Mangrook the game mm. so tell us the story about why you wanted to have some sort of a football show yeah well it started one sunday morning i was lying on the couch probably recovering from a, a heavy night the night before john and uh i was watching the footy shows on on a sunday as they were in those days it was mm, one on seven mm. one on nine and i was sitting and i was listening to them talking and then all of a sudden it dawned on me that why is there no indigenous players ex-players or current day players on these panels and then i started working through my head all the different footy programs that are on TV at that time that didn't have any Indigenous representation at all. And I thought, well, why why shouldn't we be represented in the AFL media? I mean, you know, we've got some of the best players in the history of the game. Well, this is late 90s, would it have been? Um, let me think now. How old are you? Yeah, probably late, not, not so late 90s. there would have been 90s. some good players running around at the oh. highest level. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And... Um, so that was the that was the thought. So then I came. I was doing the Curry Music Show here at Three CR, and um, I approached the the program manager at the time, saying, "Look, I've got this great idea. I want to do an Indigenous footy show because there's no current AFL past or present players that are you know talking about Aussie rules football." And uh, he took it to the the program committee, and actually the program committee knocked it back the first time. I was a bit disappointed about that. And anyway, a couple of weeks later, went back to the program committee <laughs> and they allowed it uh, to um, to give us a go at doing it. And, you know, 12 months later, it won the best sports show on community radio. Yay. So it had such an impact right away. You know, And I used to say to people, one day this show will be a television show. And people used to think I was crazy because <laughs> it was coming every Thursday. You know, for, for oh, I think it was 12 years at 3CR, I did wow. that show on a Thursday, on a Thursday. or a Friday. What and, time? Uh, I think on the Thursday it was from two to four, and then Whoa. on a Friday, on a Friday, well, that used to be the Korean music time that yeah, I used yeah, to do. Yeah. And then also, I think I'd end up doing it on a Friday morning, maybe around about eleven o'clock, because the teams had come out on the Thursday night, and all yes, that social media that. wasn't available. So you'd buy the Herald Sun on a Friday morning on the way in here to the three CR. So yeah, so 
so that was the sort of the, the start of it. And you as were I in said, this building, in this right in this very very studio. very studio, we used to have carts in, the, in those days. Yeah. And I can see now that everything's uh, you know computerized now, which is a, is a great step forward. But in those days, it was just carts, and we had various different carts made up of former players. And and as I said, the show just took off. And then um, I had a phone call from NITV, a guy saying that he'd heard about the Margaret Footy Show, and everyone's been raving about it. And NITV wanted to uh, start up a, a AFL television show would I be interested in um, taking this from a radio show into TV and I said obviously that was what I had in mind all along so they came down from Sydney to this very studio and the seat next to you there was um, one guy from Sydney, one of the, the, the I think he was the vice um, CEO up there, and he sat in and listened to the show. And after it finished, he said, "Mate, we want this show. This has got to be on TV." Wow! So and who was with so, you? Who did you so have a partner in crime at that um, time? I think at that time it was um, in, in the studio was Alan Thorpe. But there was what we used to do was do a ring around. So we'd ring up Sydney, and Robbie Armat was playing for the Sydney Swans at the time. Then we went up to Queensland to Michael McLean. Then we went across to um, Perth with Derek Kickett. Uh, Gilbert McAdam was in South Australia. Ronnie Burns was here in Victoria, and then we had Stephen Michael on, who was a regular as well. So, but over the you know the twelve years that I did it, you know, Alan came for the first couple of years and then dropped off, and you know some of the players changed clubs. So I sort of just kept finding different people. Yeah, yeah. Over over that time uh, but when the show started up on tv i, I got alan back on and Derek kickett and a few of them and i think alan was on for about the first seven years and Derek was on and off over that 13 year period on tv so people came and went because it's such a big show and so many different people wanted to get on i couldn't fit everybody on but but basically that's how it started it was through 3cr i looked up alan thorpe in my encyclopedia of league footballers yes and he played a few games for a couple of different teams yes uh well, he, it was at Fitzroy under-19s, I think yeah. he started, and then he played a couple of games at uh, the Sydney Swans. And then he went to the Bulldogs, where he probably played his best football. He kicked five goals against Adelaide. And Ooh. then he was he left uh, the Dogs and ended up at Carlton. I think he played a few pre-season games. And then, but he was, a, he, was a, he was a handy footballer, a good left footer, a long kick, and... Um, he was a very shy, reserved type of guy, Alan, you know, and and it took him a few years to find his uh, groove, but he's doing great work in the Aboriginal community now, the Dardy Wordy men's program business that he runs. He's doing a great job and great things, and like me, he's a really good community person, heavily involved in the Aboriginal community, and um, and he's been, as far as I know, entrenched in that for the last five, six years, and, um, you know, he's doing great things. Well, the name Thorpe is a big name around here, and Robbie Thorpe's yep. here. They Yeah, related. cousins for sure. Cousins. Um, Alan's father. <clears throat> From, from Gippsland and, and their relations and uh, well 3CR you know you, get, you look at the history of it I'm from 3KND and I do about three different shows there. I've been the chairperson for 30 years at 3KND but we all started here at 3CR a lot of our broadcasters um, it was 3CR that extended the, the hand of friendship to the Aboriginal community and a lot of us early pioneers in radio um, started off here at 3CR so uh, even when we started doing our test broadcasts, we used to do them out of the studio behind us here. So 3CR have always been a great friend, not only to the Aboriginal community, but to 3KND, and uh, they really helped us along in terms of getting our radio licence and, and, as I said, supplying the resources for us to get up. And, you know, some of the conferences, I still see some of the old 3CR folk there, and I'm always happy to see them. And, you know, there's a healthy respect for 3CR. I mean, look, a lot of our mob obviously listen to 3KND mm-hmm. because it's, you know, a full-time 724. But, you know, 3CR's still got a very important... 
role that it plays with Indigenous broadcasters and the particular shows that, that they do out of this place is a bit different to what we're doing. So there's room for everybody. And, you know, when I'm in the car, I sort of surf on different channels as yeah. well. So, you know, there's room for everybody. But, yeah, we've certainly got a, a great respect for 3CR. So one quick question before we go to a bit of a break. Um, so what about your own footy? You, you played a little bit in the old days. Yes. Uh, uh, well, Footscray maybe? Yeah, I, I had a run down there at the Footscray in the 19s and um, I started playing music with the band Blackfire, which I'm sure you'll talk about later. But there was a choice, John, that I had to make, <laughs> football or music. Oh, and boy. I tore my ligaments in my leg in the last practice match at the Western Oval. I think we were playing uh, St Kilda or Carlton. And I had this epiphany where I had to make a choice between football and music because playing music and playing football, if I sprained my fingers or I hurt my shoulder, yep. that would throw the whole band out. Yeah. Um, and we were touring a lot and playing a lot interstate. And I knew the boys in the band would be very dirty on me if I injured myself and I couldn't do the gigs. And I thought about which one would give me the most longevity. Would it be football or would it be music? And I thought, well, my chances of reaching the top now after injuring myself – I did get invited to Essendon a few months later to train out there, but I chose music because music was my first love, even though I love football. And, you know, media was uh, such an important thing because I was doing music shows out of here anyway, and I was writing mm-hmm. uh, in the Courier magazine called the Courier Mail out of the Aboriginal Advance League. So I, I made this conscious decision that I'd follow music. And luckily for me, I did that because from music, I went into TV and, you know, I've done, you know, acting stuff and a whole lot of different things that I probably wouldn't have done if I had to chose football. So just looking at you, uh, I'd say you're probably built as a, a key position backman. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Um, actually, key, key position forward. I play full forward a lot, ah. and um, I also um, played in the centre in the midfield. So I don't play on the wing. I basically play anywhere, but um, yeah, but they're the main position, centre or, or full forward. We're here on the Sporting Record Summer Series. We've got Grant Hanson in the studio as our special guests. Uh, a bucket list special guest, I've got to say. Mm. Thinking... I wanted to mention something. John, yes, go on. I, go forgot, on. I forgot Take to mention over. it. Yeah, sorry, I forgot to mention it. And it's very important in the Margaret history because you asked me about how the show started, and I told you why I started and how I started out of this very studio here. But the last five years on radio, which went for twelve years at Three CR, the last five years I did the show with Terry Wheeler, who was the ex Bulldog coach, oh. and Sam Pang. Now Sam yeah. Pang originally was my understudy. So like what you're doing now, the summer series, Sam would come in and continue the Margaret Footy Show. Wow. Now, look at Sam. Sam's on everything you can you can imagine on TV now. He's on radio. He's winning awards. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely smashing it. Terry Wheeler's retired, and here I am back at 3CR. Yeah. So, But I just thought I'd add that in because uh, Sam has gone to bigger and greater things and uh, hosting at Terry Wheeler for five years. Us three used to have a great time, and um, so I just thought I'd add that in yeah. before I forget. Well, radio Sorry. is great. Commun- community radio is the best. Yeah, no doubt. Bucket list. Speaking of the best... <laughs> I've always had the opinion, I'm not just saying it because you're sitting here, that the best footy song ever written was the Mangrook theme song. And many years ago, I actually contacted you because I yeah. collect, I, I'm a record dealer. Oh, okay. So yeah. record dealers can't be collectors. Yes. Right? It just doesn't work. You're, you're <laughs> Re- to make record, a records is in the old wax. You didn't know that place in North Melbourne, did you? 
It was a record shop. It was very popular in near the Vic Market. Oh, yeah, that was mm. called Hound Dogs. Yes, that's right. Uh, okay. No, mine was in Essendon. Oh, okay. Because that's our territory. Oh, I'm at your and, way. Uh, but see, if, you, if, you, if you're trying to be a collector, you can't make any money and you that's can't right. feed your kids. Yeah, yeah. If you look at James, you realise... He's looking like he's well-fed. He's well-fed. <laughs> yes, well, plenty of food on the table. <laughs> but there was one thing I did collect. I couldn't resist, and anything to do with Aussie Rules footy yeah. on record, mm. I would bring home and keep. Yeah. All right? And I contacted you many years ago and said, is there some way I can get the Marnbrook song for my collection? Yeah. And uh, uh, I don't know, I never managed to get it. Yeah. So I contacted you a little while ago. Yes. And you suggested Apple Music. So yeah. So I did manage to get it. Yeah. Uh, it's hard, though, hard to get get a copy of. Well, uh, Mushroom signed a, I signed a publishing deal with Mushroom, and um, so that's how you got it on Apple. Oh, yeah. But we actually, when it first came out, we had the little CDs for sale, but they just went at like... I'm that, still looking but, around for them, but went, I can't and, find them. I've only got one. I kept that for myself. Like, of course. You know, um, but they're very hard to find because obviously we after the first thousand, I don't think we printed any more up because, you know, one or two years later, you know, so the, the song was old news. But, um, but yeah, but a lot of people like it. I'm interested to know why you actually liked it above... Because oh, a footy song. Well, it's a footy song. Uh, it just feels like it's fun, and I like the words. We're all playing the game because yeah. we love it. We're all having yeah. a great time. Um, it's a catchy song. Mm. Uh, you told me that uh, that um, uh, Ross Wilson does the does the lead the vocals, lead vocal, yeah. and you also told me that, or was it him who told me that uh, it was the first song he ever felt free to sing in an Australian accent. Yeah, he did. That, that's mm. true. And that, that bamboozled me when he said that because we're talking to a music legend here. And he obviously, you know, and his, his band Daddy Cool, they were a doo-wop harmony type band mm, and mm. very heavily influenced by the 50s. But he, he actually, he said that to me a few times. He said that to me not long ago that, you know, you're the only one that's got me to sing it in an Australian accent. I suppose it was just the way that it was written. Yeah, but it worked. So uh, you were the writer? Yeah, I wrote the song. Took me five minutes, and, <laughs> and I tell you what, though. But for years, I had this idea that I wanted to write a footy song, like yeah. a thing I like about football. One day in September, up there, because yeah. I'm thinking, you know, me being a musician, all these singer songwriters are making thousands of dollars <laughs> on these catchy footy tunes. And I tried, John. No, no word without a lie here. For many, many years, to write a footy song, and yeah. I just couldn't get one you out. I tried numerous, and then one night, I was just sitting on the couch, and in five minutes. It came to me and I wrote it down and the rest is history. Just word for word it came out. But it, it took me a long time, yeah. It's cooking for a long time. Yeah, it took a long <laughs> It was a long pregnancy, this one. It took a long time to come out. So was this during the radio aspect of uh, Mungrook no, or was it more well, the, the TV first, time? Well, good question, John. The first, I think, one or two seasons on the TV, my big city combo band, which I formed, um, there was a song called Circles and we used the music part out of that as the intro to the Margrook TV show, I think, for the first two years. And uh-huh. then I thought, I've got to write this footy song. <laughs> and then it just came to me, as I say, for years I tried to do it, and then it finally happened, and it just came out of nowhere. The actual recording session, Who you were playing guitar. Who else was there? Yeah, I played the guitar and the bass, and uh, Bruce Hames, who's a very well-known uh, musician, played with Paul Kelly and uh, Bull Sisters and... Bachelors of Prague, and look, just a great player. He played keyboards. Uh, Jeff Peterkin from Old 55, he was on drums. And a mate of mine called Steve Trogovkic from out St Albans Way, out west, um, he was playing lead guitar on the track. And, um, yeah, I think that's that was all of us that played on the, on the 
from that's a while ago now, John. But yeah, they're the main players on the album. Okay, so <clears throat> started here at Three CR, maybe ten or so years. Yep. Got the invite from uh, NITV people. Yes. Um, and where to go first? Channel Thirty One was that where you were? No. Well, there's a bit of uh, some people used to watch it on Channel Thirty One, assuming, of course, that it was a Channel Thirty One program. But when NITV first started up, we were on Foxtel first. NITV, that is, and when I say we, we were on Foxtel, and a mate of mine called Greg D was running Channel 31, who was a mate of my business partner, a real close friend, and he rang us up and said, look, do you think Channel 31 would be able to show Marnbrook on free-to-air in Melbourne? And we thought, geez, that's a great idea, because we just wanted to get eyeballs watching the mm-hmm. TV show, and... So a conversation was had with you know NITV and them, and NITV agreed to let Channel 31 take a simulcast of the show. So that's where there's a little bit of confusion about us being a, a Channel 31 show. So we weren't really as such, but always an NITV production, and we did spend a couple of um, years at the ABC as well. Well, that's right. So you got moved around a bit uh, yeah. between platforms and also time, yeah. time slots. Yeah, well, the ABC were a, a real sort of, you know, different <laughs> bunch of people um, to work with there. And they had this thing in their head that they wanted to do the show for an hour. We were doing it for an hour and a half. And I tried to tell them that nine games, that's, you know, that's 18 teams that you've got to get across. And if you leave out teams, people will tune off because you haven't talked about their team or you've talked about one team too much and not enough about them. And they had this attitude that you know, they wanted the people, you know, left wanting more. Mm. And I said, it doesn't work like that mm. for AFL mm. fans. If they don't get to see who's in their team and who's in and who's out, no. the show won't be successful. So if you're watching for an hour and no one's spoken about Essendon, I'm spewing. That's right, exactly. And they couldn't be told. So after two years, um, you know, there was a discussion had and um, they didn't want to keep uh, putting the money into the show because NITV was supposed to be contributing monies as well and they stopped doing it. So <sighs> NITV didn't want to um, pay for the full budget. And so they uh, they dropped the show and funnily enough, Although NITV didn't put any money into the second year of us being at the ABC, they picked the show up again. So off we went back to NITV and ended up doing 13 years. Am I mistaken that you were on SBS at some point? No. Well, NITV is part of SBS, so SBS 2 would take the show as well. So, you know, we're getting quite a lot of, um, you know, airplay on, on TV and replays. And the show is the biggest rating show on NITV in history and the biggest show. And just amongst... My peers, people would say the best footy show on TV is yep. the Margrook show. You know, yeah. it was kind of underestimated in in the broader media. Yeah, but amongst the public, yeah, well, amongst the, the real feeling. footy people, you know, the the true blue homegrown people that go every week. That was a show that they liked because it was an old-fashioned show like who's in, who's out, and who's going to win and why. That was the secret recipe of the show. and It, and you didn't, it wasn't rocket science. And it wasn't over-sophisticated. Yeah, exactly. People that, loved that. That was the charm of the show. We tried not – we tried to be as natural as we are being here right now. And you unearthed some stars – so Gilbert McAdam, everybody loves. Yeah, well, you know, we, you know, Layla Guru Wee was probably the most popular, and she started her radio career at Three CR. Um, so yeah, well, a lot of people became stars on that show. But that's the other forerunner I was going to get to as well. Not mm. only did you have uh, a good sprinkling of uh, our Aboriginal stars, but you had uh, 
some women talking about footy. We were the first. And when I suggested that we wanted not one woman, but two women on the show. With th- fair income roles, not token roles. Exactly. They thought I was crazy. Why do you want women on the show? That's not going to work. And I said, well... My mum's been a member at the Western Bulldogs for 50 years and there's plenty of women I see going to the football every Saturday. And if you actually know your your um, background in football, 50% of AFL memberships are made up of women. So I thought it was really important that women were represented in the AFL media, particularly Indigenous women. So Layla was the first Indigenous AFL woman presenting football. She was a star. Uh, What's she doing now? Yeah, she's uh, working just up the road here at the Catholic Ministry, and Mm. she's also doing, you know, um, emceeing gigs and uh, movies. She's had a couple of roles in movies, so she's still doing great things. But So it was really important for me to make sure that the women were seen in a positive light and also, as you said, not to be there for... um, um, what was the word that you used before? Well, just a token tokenism, yeah, Tokenism, yeah. So they became, well, particularly Layla and um, Emily Fiend were the first girls, and then I think after Emily came Kylie Farmer, she left Sandy Greenwood, then later on Shelley Ware. So there was quite a few girls that went through that stable. But after they all appeared on Margaret, they went to bigger and better things. Yeah, and yeah. So I think um, Sandy Greenwood started doing movies in America. Uh, Kylie Farmer, you know, her acting career took off as well. Um, so, you know, the girl's done really, really well. One of my favourite players at Essendon for a couple of years was Derek Kickett. Uh, yes. Just loved him, loved those big torpedoes oh, he'd do from the beautiful. centre that would just travel yeah, 60 yeah. metres, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I tell you, all Essendon people loved him. Yes. We were all shattered when Kevin Seedy dropped him for the grand final. Yes. And we're even more shattered when he left the club. Yeah. But was happy to see him come back at Sydney. Mm. And, uh, but we loved him on your show. Yeah, well, Derek was. An introverted type guy. Quite, yeah, he's yeah. not. I wouldn't say he was shy. But he was, he was probably just reserved, yeah. And Gilbert left uh, for 12 months there at one stage, went back on Alice Springs, and Derek jumped into the coach chair. And funnily enough, the ratings actually went up <laughs> uh, with Derek in the chair. Um, NITV are insistent that Gilbert, when he came, that Gilbert came back, he had to be the, the, the co-host with me again. But mm-hmm, at the time, mm-hmm. if you actually look at the ratings... They were actually high when Derek Kicker was on there as my co-host and Gilbert. So that says something, doesn't it? But, um, you know, some of the guys that came on that show, and, uh, and in, after the first couple of years, it was non-Indigenous people. It was Kevin Barber yeah, was a yeah. regular, Dougie Hawkins, Dipper Domenico, um, you know, um, Rex Hunt, you know. And I remember one time Rex Hunt, I think Gilbert was offered a funeral, sorry business, and Rex Hunt was my co-host for the night. And... Uh, I remember sitting next to him thinking, the reason why I started this show was because of the under-representation. I'd watch you on a Sunday, and now that very bloke is sitting next to me <laughs> on my football show, which I thought was quite ironic. But I really loved working with uh, Rex Hunt. He was uh, he was really good. And Kevin Barlett, awesome. Yeah. Peter Dacos, Warwick Kappa was another one who was great to work uh, with, and they're really professional at what they do. And I'm guessing, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that they were keen to come on because they had a good time and they loved the show. No doubt, no doubt. And that was the thing about Margaret. I never had to go chase people around to get them on the show because they're lining up. They're actually lining up to come on the show. And and as I said, you know, working with people like Kevin Bartlett, he's just a football encyclopedia. Mm, yeah. And then I ended up doing uh, radio with Layla and Mark Fine on SEN. So we became the first Indigenous broadcaster to work on mainstream radio. And Mark Vine, and he was a great supporter of Margaret. He's from a Jewish background, but, you know, he was like Kevin Butler. He could tell you who won the Band Mitten Championship in 1973 <laughs> or who won the Squash Championship in 1977. He used to yeah. just, you know, baffle me with his, his knowledge. So, you know, working with all those sorts of people was just a, a real honour to work with him. 
Now, I've seen you crawling around on the floor, James, under the desk. Uh, <laughs> have you sorted out a song for us? Or uh, Well, I've been troubleshooting. And <laughs> You've come up with another song? And I've just shoot some troubles. So we, <laughs> we'll go to another song now. Okay. Uh, and this will, this will take us nicely into the music part of this yep. show. So you're not just about sport, Grant. You're a, you're a music man through and through. You know how I describe myself? Yeah. A jack of all trades, master of none. But I have a go because my mum used to say to me, "Make you make your own luck, love," and that's what I've always did is just have a go. Fantastic! So I've got a song from your first band, I believe. It was Blackfire. Yeah. Well, you want to know the Blackfire story? We'll talk about that. Let's later. hear the song. Okay. <laughs> and we, you might want to talk about it after you hear the song. But anyway, we'll do some let's go. Uh, sponsorship things, and uh, we'll come back and talk some. Music. Got to keep the sponsors happy, John. Fantastic. <laughs>
Uh, we just heard Blackfire. I'm pretty sure I could mm. pick Kutcher Evans' voice there. Yeah, Kutcher Edwards. And, uh, Edwards, sorry. Yeah, yeah Edwards. that was off our uh, second album, the Night Vision album, which was produced by Paul Hester, that mm-hmm. was the drummer in Crowded mm-hmm. House, and uh, became a close friend of the band. And uh, that song actually got an International Songwriting Award for it. Um, we should back announce what it was. Uh, what Island was Paradise. That was Island, Island Paradise yeah, by Blackfire. Yeah, and uh, Kelly and... Uh, who was the drummer and myself? We wrote that one, and but Blackfire have been doing a brand new album. We got a new lead singer, and um, and we're just about finished it, John. So we're just ready to do mm. some mixes of it and put it all together and get it out. Hopefully, I was going to say next year, but we are already in twenty twenty three. So probably looking about April or May for the release. So I'll invite you along to the launch, you yeah, fellas. Yeah, perfect. yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, let us know here, and yeah, we'll send us a copy. A copy and, yeah. uh, because those Blackfire songs are all on, on the uh, yeah. on the computer. Ready to go. You know, like, it's important because 3CR, you know, the Blackfire, Archie Roach, Ruby Hunter, Titters, all us emerging bands out of the 90s that became popular on major record labels were all played first here and recorded first here at 3CR. So, once again, that's that connection that the Aboriginal community have had with 3CR. Well, I came in early today and I, I said to them at the front desk, now, uh, where's the CD library? I want to see if there's any Blackfire CDs. They said, no, we don't have a CD library. <laughs> <laughs> but have a look yeah. on the computer. There might be some yeah. there, and there were. Yeah, that's nice. So I'll see if I can get Joe, our, our music coordinator, to somehow put Mangrook on 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 the list because yeah, we use it that. frequently. You use a lot. Can download that. Yeah, yeah sure. should be able to. Anyway, we'll find a way. Uh, right. So Blackfire, uh, Kutcher Evans. Uh, we love Kutcher Edwards. Yep. Um, my son, my other son, is a guitarist, and he, yes. he was a guitar student at uh, VCA. Yep. And Kutcher came in to do some workshops with him. Yep. And I think he really liked Francis because Francis is uh, a bit like what we're saying about Derek Kickett. He doesn't yeah. push himself forward. He yeah. just uh, works hard. He plays, and and they were doing stuff. And Kutcher looked at him and said, "I take it you have the philosophy less is more." <laughs> and it summed up Francis beautifully because that's yeah. how he plays guitar. Yeah, you know, he yeah. doesn't want to dominate. He yeah. doesn't want to stand out nice. in front of the stage, yeah. but he does like to contribute yeah, his great. thing and hold he, it all he together. He doesn't mind kicking a top either, but he can't, he can't get onto him like Derek could. <laughs> anyway, he was quite rapt that Kutcher <laughs> singled him out and, and yeah, said that. Nice. So that's I've got good. a soft spot for Kutcher. So, uh, so that band, you did a lot of touring, I, I believe. Yeah, we did. I think we'd done about 160 shows in our first year wow. when the album came out. So we were touring constantly and then we're doing stuff over in Asia. We toured Asia, China. We're really Fantastic. big in China. We're packing out places there and playing in, you know, places like Shanghai Concert Hall where there's no Western bands I've ever played before. And <laughs> so we're doing that stuff and we toured over there with Archie Roach and I think Titters, the first tour that we went there. The second time we went back was by ourselves. And then we ended up playing with Carlos Santana on his Australian tour, Ooh. playing at all, you know, the entertainment centres and then we're doing recovery shows and, you know, Bert Newton show and sort of, you know, took off for about the first eight or ten years. We were a very popular Indigenous act. But, you know, Yoth Indy came along at the same time as us and were signed to the Mushroom label and sort of, you know, we became really good friends with that band. But, you know, but at the time it was just a, a, a surgence of Indigenous music acts and, you know, there was Archie and Ruby and, and as I mentioned, Titters and, and Blackfire and Yoth Indy. They were sort of the, the big Aboriginal bands at that time. Uh, back to Mangrook for a sec. So Mangrook also had live music uh, yes. quite often. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think music and footy mix. I don't know why, but it yeah. does, doesn't it? Because you know, you think of the grand final day and the music, and um, 
and I just thought, you know, it would be a good way to promote it, you know, music and, you know, up-and-coming acts as well mm-hmm. that didn't get the opportunity. And quite a few acts that came onto Margaret ended up doing big things as a result of being seen and getting exposure. And the music, people just loved it, you know. We had, you know, not only up-and-coming artists, but we had, you know, the best. Oh, we had the Paul Kellys and we had Don Walk and we had Diesel and we had Jojo Zepp and the Falcons and we had Old 55. We had all the biggest acts in the country <laughs> lining up to come on the show as well. Do I- did I see Ross Wilson one time? He might have even oh, Ross has done been a song with you. Numerous yeah. times. Chocolate Starfish and, and Ross Wilson probably would have been the, the two acts that was on the most. But, yeah, Ross performed with uh, Mondo Rock quite a few times on the show. And, um, yeah, he was a, a great supporter. And it still is of, you know, Indigenous music. On, the, on our latest album, Cool Mist, one of the other bands that I play, and he produced a couple of the tracks as well. So what's the Cool Mist story then? Well, the cool miss came about during COVID, John, because, you know, we had a lot of time on our hands. And as you said, you, you know, we weren't able to get out and about. And, um, you know, this, because I'm a, I'm a songwriter, sometimes when I write songs, they're not Blackfire songs. You know, mm. Blackfire's a political band, like mm-hmm. a Midnight Oil. And some songs are cool, but they just don't fit the Blackfire repertoire. So I started just coming out with all these songs because I was just sitting at home bored, you know, shitless, basically. And, um, I um, just started putting these songs together and, and my mate from uh, Margrook, his name's Rick Evans, who played in the Fabs and all these different bands, he was our sound guy on Margrook for about six or seven years. And he said, oh, I kept saying to me, come over to my house, I'll do a few demos, I'm sort of bored. And he asked me quite a few times and I just never got around. And one day I just thought, I'll give him a ring, you know. I said, I'm doing these songs and started out as demos and then we went over there and he said, oh, these are good songs, so, you know, let's record them properly. And then Brad, who was the bass player in Blackfire, he, he was uh, at a loose end as well and I rang up and said, look, I'm doing this album, brother. I'd come over and, you know, play a bit of bass with us. And so it was basically us three that sort of shaped the whole album, put the you know, put the songs together. But I wrote all of them and co-wrote two with Brad. So... The Cool Mist album came about for another outlet of my music that doesn't fit that Blackfire repertoire, yeah, basically. But good Australian rock music, John. I grew up in the 70s. I'm a countdown child and sound unlimited. So, you know, Australian music's really heavily imprinted in my brain. And uh, so that album's just really catchy rock songs. Well, 70s music is my era. The best era, I think, by a mile. All around the world. Before the my best time. bands come out the seventies. Yeah, when I do the uh, the trivia music trivia on the on the on the cruise ships, <laughs> as soon as the questions go past nineteen eighty nine, I'm lost. <laughs> so you're a rock whiz fan, are you? Or, oh yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Well, you think about the seventies in Australia. The bands that are big in the seventies are still playing. Cold Chisel, oh, Drag, and yeah. My Sex. All those still big bands going. are still. But your bands that formed in the nineties in Australia had one or two hits. You don't hear of them anymore. So. I get their CDs. Lasted, I get their CDs to sell, and no one buys them. Yeah, well, but they'll but they'll buy you know Mondo Rock and yeah, stuff like you that. Yeah, you think about Fleetwood Mac, ELO, all those bands that were huge in the seventies. They're still going strong all around the world. You know the Eagles still going. Have we got a cool miss song? Cuter? Yeah, we'll jump on a cool miss song. We've got so deadly lined up. Well, look out! We've made a film clip for this, so you can check it out there oh, for the fantastic. people in Radio Land. It's it's up on. Um, on YouTube, so check it out. It's a good, fun clip, actually. Fantastic. So this is So Deadly by Cool Mist.
Cool Mist. What was the song? So Deadly. So deadly. <laughs> That's right. And before we get back to more Grand Hanson, I'll just give a cricket update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. always good at summertime. Smith made 100. Yeah, so Australia are 472 for four. <laughs> oh, no. They are absolutely toweling South Africa. Usman Khawaja's not out on 193. Oh. Travis Head just went out for 70. I bet oh. it was a quick 70. And Matty Renshaw's in, the, uh, the positive... COVID. COVID patient. Uh, Is he on four, 19? He's on four, not out. No, good wow. one, John. I thought 19, not out, COVID 19. Uh, yes. The game will be all over by tomorrow. Yeah. 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 So uh, maybe South Africa are hoping for a draw uh, due to Renshaw. We're talking about the 70s before, John, yes. and you go back to World Series cricket and yes. Australia and England versus the world. I mean, I could sit and watch that, but. I can't do that anymore. I can't watch that 2020 cricket or anything oh, like that. Yeah. Uh, 70s. The, 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 B, the 70s. BBL stuff. It leaves me cold. I just yeah, don't like it. Yeah. It's all contrived. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but country versus country, state versus state, I don't mind. But yeah. you know, when it's just a made-up teams playing each other, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, me either. I'm with you, John. Yeah, I'll get in there. So I wanted to ask you about uh, 3KND. We're all in the community radio spectrum and mm. we all support each other. So what's mm. the story there? It's from Bandura. That's about all I know. <laughs> yeah, well, we're out at Bandura at the moment waiting on a building to be built um, sometime this year and it'll be in Preston at the old police station. So we're keeping the facade at the front. We smoke the other place. Preston <laughs> Police Station. The old police station. Just Bell off High Street. Street. Yeah, just off oh, High Street, Street where okay. the fire brigade station is just next okay. to there. trying to picture it. But anyway, that's a great So, spot. yeah, so we're getting a new building built and, uh, you know, as I said early on, you know, we did our test broadcast out of 3CR because all mm. the broadcasters that started off at 3KD were actually broadcasters here at 3CR. But as I mentioned, you know, in those days we had a really strong friendship with the management and the board and they were very supportive in, in us and we still have a great connection. Um, and uh, so, yeah, well, we're just waiting for a new building, but we're going strong and the station's really well thought of and, you know, we've won numerous awards for the different shows and broadcasters are on there and, you know, we've got a great listening audience. So, you know, it's, it's done what we thought it would. We're on the AM band with us yep. down, down the other end, yes. 1503. Correct, yes. What do you say, 1503? 1503, yeah. 1503, KND. Yes. Is K, the, the letters KND mean cool anything? Cool and deadly. <laughs> I could have guessed that. Cool a friend of deadly. mine started a uh, internet radio station, yep. and he called it uh, Radio PVS. So I'm trying to think, oh, a public... Voices. I was trying to think. He said, "No, it's Pascoe Vale South. That's where I am." Tech <laughs> <laughs> comes out of his second bedroom. Uh, got you there. Cool and deadly. Cool and deadly. <laughs> so what shows do you do there at uh, KMB? Oh God! Look, I'm I'm doing a treaty show at the moment. I do a, a seventy show on a Monday, um, which is really popular. I do a Corey Classic show, which I did before I come down here. Um, a, a Corey Classic show, and sometimes I do an eighty show when I've got time. And so I'm doing quite a few shows. So a lot of music. Treaties, What's treaties, the treaty mail? show? What's that? Well, the treaty is happening here in Victoria as we speak, um, and it's been formed. Um, the negotiations have been agreed to from government with the traditional owned groups of Victoria. There's 31 people that make up the First Peoples Assembly. Those 31 people are representatives of the traditional owned groups here in Victoria. There's a couple of independent seats in that mix as well. And as of probably around about well, June, July this year, people are going to be talking about the treaty because it's going to be on every front page of the, the daily papers and you know on all the news services because Aboriginal people have been negotiating with government 
on treaty and, and stuff that Aboriginal people would like to see handed back to the mob. So it's going to generate a lot of discussion, a lot of positive stuff, a lot of negative stuff, obviously, you know, from the likes of Sky News and people like that, people that don't know, but it's something that, you know, I feel that people should embrace. So being a state government thing, yes, we, there's no worries about constitutions and things like that, is there? Because it's, it's just something that can be Well, that's negotiated. part of the treaty, that's right, and, and that's part of the treaty negotiations. And, uh, you know, before the treaty stuff came along, we were doing Indigenous land use agreements, which was handbacks of land to traditional owner groups that were basically crown lands that, you know, the government owned and giving it back to traditional owners. Um, but this stuff, the treaty stuff, a lot of this stuff will be enshrined into 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 law and into parliament and uh, once that's set it won't be changed have other states got into this before us great question john they're sitting back and they're watching us this, oh, is, okay. this is the first time it's ever been done because wow. we tried it at the federal level and yorty order had that um, native title case which fell over um, due to the unrealistic prerequisites of why you know people could get um, native title so um so this is a good eye-opener for other states to follow suit i think they'll wait to see how it rolls out first how it plays out and then they might you know go down a similar route it's funny isn't it how in many areas states often lead the way Mm. i'm thinking euthanasia and things like this uh states often lead the way and and federal government follows eventually yeah, well, sometimes the states have got more of a handle on things than what the federal government do, and um, they're more closer to the ground, I think. And mm. um, the Labor government are very supportive of Indigenous rights, and God bless them that they are, particularly the Aboriginal Affairs Minister, Gabriel Williams, has been a really good uh, minister in Parliament, and she's been very pro-Aboriginal in terms of um, supporting the course. And, of course, you've got Lydia Thorpe in the Greens that's in there, you know, talking things up and making a lot of people feel very uncomfortable because she's very direct and uh, very straightforward. And a lot of people feel uncomfortable about that, you know. She makes those people squirm in their seats because it's an uncomfortable truth that she speaks. So she's playing her well, role. Well, I've heard her say treaty first, voice down the track somewhere. Yeah, well, they talk about the voice, and that's an interesting conversation, John, because the voice in parliament is basically just an advisory body it doesn't have any any power it doesn't have to uh you know the parliament don't have to act upon it and i think you know for a, a voice to be really fair income has to be enshrined in parliament it has to be part of the legislation it's no good having a, a an advisory group any advisory group to parliament that don't take any notice and i think that's a major concern i think lydia's pointed that out that you know the way that it's sitting that you know the the national labor party haven't come out and said exactly what the voice is going to entail, what what the rules, what what the parameters are. So mm. until they do that, um, a lot of people are a bit dubious about uh, just being a, an advisory. So the other argument would be, well, let's just take a small step first, and then we can move on to bigger things. Well, you see a lot of um, Indigenous people in Parliament now, more more so than ever before. So you do have an Indigenous voice through different people that are represented, you know, through different political parties, but. You know, they represent political parties, so they've got to uh, fall in line with what the agenda of those political parties are. So the Indigenous voice, if it was enshrined in Parliament and in the Constitution, that would be a big difference because that would give it a real power. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only fair when you think about it that, you know, Indigenous Australians, we've been here for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, basically, and it is our country that we've, you know, grown up and and nurtured for that long that we should be represented we should have a seat at the table and we should have a say on this country and how it's ran and and you know have a say in how indigenous culture and people should be looked after 
And I think we'll find that uh, a large chunk of the population is starting to come around to that point of view and agree with you, especially the younger generations. Well, this stuff has been happening in schools for, for you know about three decades now where they've been taught the real history of Australia. And young kids embrace it more now. They don't feel guilty about it because they just understand it as a factual um, mm. thing that happened here in Australia. And, uh, and I think they understand that you know, in order for things to get better, changes have to occur. And they've grown up with a different sort of um, a different thought pattern than what earlier generations have been brought up and conditioned by and those mm, sort of people mm. still are in, in power and they still have those racist attitudes but a lot of the young kids and we're much more multicultural than what we've ever been before so I think people are more understanding now um, about where Aboriginal rights are and should be at and if we're going to be fair income with the rest of the world we can't put our hand on our heart and say you know we've got a great country when you know our people are dying and you know in jails and, and it continues to happen so in many ways, we're a long way behind other countries, but uh, I guess we're catching up. New Zealand's had a treaty for a long time. We're the only Commonwealth country in the Commonwealth that hasn't got a treaty. So oh, that, yeah. that's an interesting point. And um, I think it's about time that we do. And, you know, the, the government and, and the spruikers and the shock jockeys, they'll try and, you know, make it into something that it's not to scare people. Like John Howard, he, he tried to scare people when he was a prime minister. And I think people are a lot more wiser to the sort of to mm. what's going on now. And I think most people embrace it because, let's face it, Aboriginal culture, a culture belongs to every Australian in this country. If you're Australian, Aboriginal culture is part of Australia like a kangaroo is. And there's mm. nothing more Australian than an Aboriginal person. And, and that history belongs to everybody because you've grown up in this country and everyone should know it and be proud about it. So when people can embrace the positives of Aboriginal culture, I think that's when we have a big leap forward and I, I can see that day coming, I really do. I think that's a great place to finish. Uh, thank you, Grant, for coming in. Thanks, Sean. I hope I haven't scared you off. I, I'd love oh, to come no. back one day when the footy season is yeah, you know, up and yeah. pumping and I can sit in with you guys again and yeah. we can talk a little bit of footy and just you know reminisce about you know the homecoming here today and, and talk footy. And I'm a mad Bulldog supporter. No, I, I, I guess you're a bomber. Yes, yes. Going up in Essendon. Yes, yeah, so bomber as well here. We'll have to come in when the dogs are playing Essendon. Maybe, yeah, right? let's do it. Make it a bit spicy. That'd be great. <laughs> so to take us out, we didn't have the mongrel theme but we have Circles, which was the Mangrook theme before the Mangrook theme. <laughs> okay. And so, I'll get a play for the amount of time that it was on TV for about 30 exactly, seconds. Exactly, <laughs> 30 seconds. So thanks Brilliant. for listening, everybody. Thanks, thanks Grant. This Appreciate has been great. It. Thank you. Wow.